This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. God is at work in our world today. There are, across the globe, people groups that have never heard the gospel, that are hearing the gospel for the first time, because missionaries have been willing to say, I will go. There are, in the last few years, more Jews and Muslims that have been coming to faith in Christ than many years in the past because God is pouring out His Spirit. He said that in these last days there would be a pouring out of His Spirit in such a way to expedite the work that needs to be done. We live in this world and we go to work, we come home, we take care of our houses, we take care of our families, and there is so much to do to keep the basic natural things going well. But I want to turn your attention to a, a great reality that is very true for every person who knows Christ. That someday very soon there is going to be a great change that will happen in this world. The Bible tells us that when Noah was instructed to build the ark, that everybody was going about their everyday life, getting married, living their lives. And in the middle of all that was going on, God sent out a message through Noah that there was a great flood that was coming upon the earth. And any who listened could have been spared. The invitation was open to everyone. And yet only Noah and his wife and his children and their wives entered into the ark to be spared from the flood. In the midst of the chaos that we see happening, even in nature and in creation around us, I believe that God is speaking a word to this world, and it's a wake-up call. God is calling for us as the church to be awake. He is also calling those who have not been listening to his voice. Because as his word says in 2 Peter, he is willing that none should perish. That's God's heart. God cares so much about people that he warns them. There is coming a day when our Lord will return. That day is going to be unexpected. 
That day is going to catch many people by surprise. But God's word to every single one of us here is that we find ourselves ready for that unexpected moment. We can get so involved with all the things that are going on in our lives that we can forget about what's most important. Now, I, I believe that you're here this morning because the Spirit of God spoke to your heart to be here. For the most part, I believe all of you are here voluntarily. There may be a couple of you that were dragged into church this morning, but for the most part, you're here because you want to be here. And God wants to remind you this morning that not only are you dealing with the daily life, but you are in preparation for the life to come. Jesus has paid the debt so that you and I can be set free from sin. But that's just the first step in the work of the Spirit in our lives. Because from that point forward, we have a work to do. God has commissioned us with a task. A task that may not be easy, but a task that he has provided the power of his spirit for us to accomplish. God is at work in the world today. But the enemy is also at work in the world today. He is destroying people's lives. As you may have heard even on the news that overdoses have grown incrementally. The enemy is stealing people's lives. And we as the church are called by God to do our part. But we cannot fix the problem on our own. Simply talking about a matter is not going to solve the issue. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to transform lives that have been broken. Because people's lives have been taken captive by the enemy. Maybe not in the physical sense that they cannot do what they want to do as a person behind bars. But there are many today that are locked in darkness. And though they think they are free, they are actually slaves of the enemy. Constantly coming back to the point where they say, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a slave to this. But I find myself trapped in this habit over and over and over again. And my friend, only the power of the Spirit of God can break people free from those chains. You and I have work to do. Jesus said, my father works and I work. We can't simply watch God work. We must say, God, what do you want me to do? In the work that you are doing in this world today. If you would turn with me, please, in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Chapter 24. 
In this passage of scripture, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, and in verse 36, we pick up in the midst of the conversation. And he says, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. I want to pause there for a moment to say this. God has his reasons why his own Son doesn't know the day of his return. See, there's work to be done for you and I. That God wants us from our heart to be doing. Not just because we have someone looking over our shoulders or because we know when the foreman's going to show up to see whether we're working or not. But he wants to know whether we're working when we think no one's watching. If you and I knew the exact day of the return of Jesus Christ, oh, it's very possible that we could plan ahead to do whatever we wanted to do and then fake preparation at the last moment so that somehow we would be, enter, be able to enter into the kingdom of God, but God will have none of that. Because he's looking for those who are genuinely prepared And you can only be genuinely prepared when your heart is fully in what God has called you to do. If God wanted us to know the exact moment, he could very easily tell us. Yesterday. was a day that some proposed would be the end of the world. Did you hear about that? Yesterday, the 23rd. And here we are. <laughs> they missed it somehow in their calculations. But they also missed the scripture. They missed a whole lot of scripture because you and I are not looking for the end of the world. That's not the next thing on God's calendar. There's a whole lot that's going to take place before the new heaven and new earth. So we have nothing to fear about an asteroid or another planet X coming and striking the earth and obliterating it. But what we do have to be concerned about is are we ready to meet Jesus? There are people who were on this planet yesterday who are no longer on the planet today. And they will stand before God and give an account once we leave this life, second, third, fourth, fifth chances are over. Jesus 
continues to talk to his disciples, and he says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People did not realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day that your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time. Would you say those words after me, please? All the time. It is very important that you and I be prepared all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected. It's interesting when people come up with a day that they know Jesus is coming. That helps me out. Because it eliminates that day as the day when he will come. Because that one wouldn't qualify as the day when it's least expected. We must be ready all the time. Some of us have trouble being ready all the time. Rick, I believe the Royal Rangers' motto is, what is that Royal Rangers' motto? To be ready, be ready for anything, right? God has called us to be ready all the time. Now, some of us are better at being ready than others. And, um, and you can tell that in uh, for this morning, for example. Uh, when you arrive at church, uh, sometimes uh, we can regularly arrive late for being in the presence of the Lord. Now, every now and then, emergencies happen, things that you can't uh, plan for, especially if you have young children. Totally understandable. But I want to encourage you. Do your best preparation in advance so that your emergencies won't throw you off track so much. If you're having an emergency every single time, then wouldn't it be wise to set aside preset buffer for an emergency that you know is going to happen? Plan ahead. Get ready Saturday night for coming to the house of the Lord. My wife was so kind, she ironed my shirt yesterday that I'm wearing this morning. Why? Because that helped prepare 
and there are times when I will iron her clothes the day before. But preparation is important. Let me tell you, if on a habitual basis you're always procrastinating, it will affect your spiritual life. Jesus said, for example, if you don't know how to be a good steward of earthly money, how can you be a good steward of spiritual riches? Now, he didn't say this, but I will say it. If you cannot be a good steward of your time as it relates to prioritizing things, then how are you going to spiritually be able to prioritize your time as it relates to spiritual things for the life to come? It's very important that we do our best to be prepared. Verse 45, Jesus said, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. But if that servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk, the master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When Jesus told these parables and told these stories, he was trying to convey a message to those who were listening, and he's trying to convey a message to us this morning. There is a responsibility that God gives us that is basic. And then we grow from there. We learn to be responsible with the little things so that God can entrust us with more things. And he uses the analogy of a person who has been given the responsibility of managing servants and feeding them. When the master returns, he's going to see whether that person has done a good job. And if he has, there will be a reward. But if not, the results were catastrophic. Every single moment of our day is logged in the history books in heaven. The book of life is not the only book where records are being, in, being kept in heaven. Because God has, keeps good record of all the things that we do. And it's very important that we recognize that every day that passes, we never have the opportunity to redo that day again. Now God can restore and he can give us an opportunity to be able to follow him even after we have walked away from him. And for that, I am so grateful. But my friend, it never undoes the reality that when we squander a 24-hour period or whatever period, that that opportunity is lost. So I want to encourage you to seize every day 
for the glory of God. You have been given a responsibility by God. You have been given a stewardship. Some of you may feel like your talents are minimal, or maybe you feel like you really don't make a big impact in the body of Christ. I want you to know that every single one of you make a difference. Every single one of you impact the body of Christ. And I want to encourage you to be faithful in the things that God has given you to do. I remember when I was just a few years out of high school and I was working for the public works department of my town in Alcton, Maryland. And uh, I, would, I was on the grass cutting crew and so uh, we, we would go and we would work uh, throughout the entire um, town area and we would cut any grass from parks to the sides of highways and all that needed to be done. And we'd do that eight more more hours a day. And uh, I enjoyed that time. I was memorizing scripture and I was spending time in the presence of God. I remember times uh, where I was um, just singing and worshiping the Lord kind of on my own because oftentimes we were, whether if we were on a riding mower, there wasn't many people around and I got to just enjoy God's creation, uh, the place where I was cutting the grass and just pondering and thinking about God and about his goodness and about his word. And, and in my spirit, I, I had this desire just deep down inside, God, I want to serve you whatever way you want me to serve you. And... That went on for about two and a half years. But I enjoyed that time with the Lord. And yet at the same time, having grown up as a missionary's kid, I, I knew that there was many opportunities to be able to serve the Lord in doing ministry. But at that moment, I was cutting grass. And what the Holy Spirit laid on my heart and what I ended up delighting in doing was cutting the grass as if it were the lawn of my heavenly father. And I would always picture it as such. That when I'm done, when God comes out to look at his lawn, would he be pleased with how it was mowed, with how the edges were weed whacked nicely and the trimmings were blown off so that the sidewalk would look nice. And I enjoyed doing it. And I got good at it. And then the Lord opened a door that I never expected. For at the church that I was attending, I had not gone to Bible school. I did not have credentials. But the Lord opened the door for me when my pastor called me in and said, would you like to serve on staff as a pastor here at the church, I was blown away. God opened that door. But God also saw the many days that I enjoyed being in his presence on the mower. And I have no doubt in my mind that it was God that opened that door. I didn't ask for it. I didn't submit a resume for it. I didn't do anything for it. I didn't even consider it. It was from the Lord. 
And I want to tell you that when you're faithful with what God gives you to do, it doesn't matter what job you work at. Do it as unto the Lord. Think about it if God came to review as the foreman the work that you did, what kind of review would you get? It's so easy when we're working at a job we don't like, we can get an attitude. Well, if they don't pay me enough, I'm going to work in such a way to show them that they're not paying me enough. And so sometimes in our human nature, we get an attitude of wanting to cut corners and to say, well, I'm going to only give them the work that they're paying me for. We should have the opposite attitude. We should say, I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to work for the Lord, no matter what I'm being paid. Sometimes, depending on our attitude, will depend on the doors that are open for us. The Bible says promotion does not come from the east or the west, but it comes from the Lord. And I'm here to tell you, when you do your part in doing your job for God, God's going to move you around wherever he needs you. And he is the one that's able to open the door for you. You won't have to push it open. You won't have to shove it. You'll simply follow the leading of the Lord. And he'll say, son, daughter, I want you to come right on in. And I'm here to tell you that when God opens a door, there is no man on earth that can shut it. And that's a wonderful thing. There's great peace in that. People that are bullying their way into positions, you know the problem that they have? They have to keep bullying to keep the opportunity. But when God's opened the door for you and said, come right on in, there's such a peace. Because you don't have to press to keep that job. Because you didn't press to get it. That's one great peace I have here at Christian Life Center. I didn't know one person here. And God opened the door. And I'm delighted to be here to serve as your pastor. I really am. Mainly because I know God sent me here. And that brings me joy. But it also comes with a great responsibility because what I just shared with you applies to me. I'm going to give an account to him. And this verse often comes to my mind when I think about shepherding you. The master's coming back. And he specifically said these words. He said, A sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. I often think about, how are you guys eating? That's honestly my heart's desire. I think about that. How are you eating? Spiritually. Because I'm going to give an account to God. And just because I stand up here and speak doesn't mean automatically you're eating well. But if the word of God is properly given on the table, then you have the opportunity to eat a spiritually nutritious meal. You may not be a pastor or someone in a role of church leadership. How does this apply to you? All of you have a responsibility. All of you have people that God has given you in your life to influence. Some of you, it's your kids. Others of you, maybe you own your own business and it's the people that work for you. Others, it may be the people that you work with or that you work for. 
And God is calling you to set an example. One day he's coming back. It could be today. As I understand scripture, there is nothing that is standing in the way at this very moment of our Lord's return. And so my challenge to you is, be ready. It would bring such delight to my heart when the Lord comes back that every seat in this church would be empty. That would bring me the greatest joy. Oh, how sad it would be that I be able to look down from heaven and see that 30% of the church stayed behind because they came and did religious activity, but their heart was not in a relationship with God. I'm going to tell you that break my heart as your pastor. And that's why I want to boldly tell you, please be ready. Be ready. Be ready for the coming of the Lord. When I finalize my thoughts with this next portion of chapter 25, Jesus used another analogy and he said the kingdom of heaven is like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom and five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, um, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back. Listen to these words. These are going to be very sad words that some people will hear, and may it not be you. Believe me, I don't know you. Believe me, I don't know you. Verse 13, so you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Be ready all the time. Be ready all the time. There is no guarantee that Jesus will return when you're in church on Sunday morning. He may come back on a Friday night. Will you be ready then? 
Will you be ready then? God cares about you. And he wants you to be ready. The Bible says that we must get rid of everything that will slow us down from this race that we are running. Anything that dishonors God is going to keep you from his presence. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know where the line is drawn exactly as to how close someone is going to be allowed to be to go up with him in the rapture. I don't know that line. I don't know if the person the night before who could care less about God and just does their own thing and if they're going to miss it. I, I don't know the details. I, I can't tell you that. But why take a chance? For those of you in this room who think you can kind of play the game of saying, well, if I do right most of the time, then perhaps my gamble will pay off. My friend, it's not a gamble because God sees your heart. Some of you young people in this room, you may feel like you've got a lot of life ahead of you. I want to remind you, there is no guarantee of that. Take God seriously because he could come today. Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed when he shared the cup and he shared the bread with his disciples, he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. until I come. Every single time we share communion, it's a reminder that he's coming again. And it's kind of like a regrouping. It's an opportunity for you to check yourself and say, am I ready? For that great day when he comes, am I ready? It's not a physical bag with clothes that you need to have ready, but it's your spirit that must be ready for his return. Don't miss out. You don't have to miss out. The message of the cross. which is symbolized by the communion that we're going to share in just a moment, is simply this. That Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, left his glory in heaven to come down to this earth to become 100% human while staying 100% God. Coming to live in this life to be sacrificed as the perfect lamb for your sin and for mine. And if we are willing to accept that sacrifice, our sin is forgiven. Our names are written in the book of life. 
and then we serve. We say, God, put me to work. Because between now and the rapture, there are many souls that are lost that need to come to know Jesus. Don't be satisfied with your own salvation. Grieve over the lost because God grieves over the lost. As I've said it before, if all God was interested in was getting you saved, then there could be many raptures every time a person gets saved, which would be kind of neat, though. You give your heart to Christ, and then all of a sudden, poof, you're gone. That'd be kind of neat. But God did not see to work it that way because there's work for us to do. Between now and when he comes back, Jesus said this. He said, work while it is day because the night is coming when no one can work. Work's done. So may God help all of us not only to maintain our walk with God, but to maintain our work for God. We aren't saved by our works. It is the grace of God that saved us. But now that he has saved us, let's get busy doing what he wants us to do. And I want to encourage all of you to review your calendar. And if your life is centered around anything other than pleasing God, I encourage you to make some adjustments. Now, it can be difficult sometimes in our lives to make time for God, but I want to encourage you to look at it more as living your life for God and making time for other things. It'll change your perspective. Sometimes, as a pastor, it can be challenging to find those who will prioritize God over all kinds of other things. Work, family, sports, all these other things that can so easily take priority. Now, God has a place for all those things. They do not need to be eliminated in any way from our lives. In fact, God wants us to honor our family and to spend time with them. But I also want to say this, that for us to genuinely be able to affect our family, we must prioritize the Lord. And that's important.